Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. We've been on a series called Living Water. And I want to direct you to the Old Testament. This is uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 13. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Many of you don't know what a cistern is. It's uh, not the wife of a brother. It, it is a hole in the ground that collects water. And the Lord is saying, you have hewn out collections and receptacles for water. I, I heard this story recently. I did not know it was true, but I went back to research it, and it is absolutely true. It's about a town in Mississippi. It was settled in the mid-1700s by the French on the east side of the Mississippi River. And it was named uh, Petite Gulf, which means a little uh, water place or a port. And it became a port, a river port on the Mississippi River. It was also a very significant crossing area for the river at that time, back in the mid-1700s. It uh, was admitted to the Union, Mississippi was, in 1817, and um, Petite Gulf missed by being the capital of Mississippi by three votes. So this little place you never heard of almost became the capital of Mississippi. It grew, it thrived, it's along the river. Uh, later, the town changed its name to Rodney, Mississippi, uh, after a judge in that area. It was a thriving place. It became a very popular river town along the Mississippi, uh, rivaling cities like Natchez and Vicksburg. Uh, the riverboats would dock there. They would take their cargo, unload it. They would load it up. It became a very a big entertainment place because the riverboats would dock there along the bank. By 1830, river transportation continued to increase. Rodney's population increased also. It was growing. Numerous residents, not only in town, but around the town. It had several stores, several churches. It had the first opera house in the state of Mississippi. And it had uh, all those things growing that same year in 1830. Oakland College was established that would later become Alcorn University. It was an area that had a new improved variety of cotton, so plantations grew up along the river, around the town. It was very prosperous. Even Zachary Taylor, who was a general who became the president of the United States, even had a plantation there in that same area. Today, Rodney, Mississippi has no residents. It has no town. It has no stores, newspaper, opera house, has no residents, no one lives there. It is a ghost town. Matter of fact, if you look up uh, ghost towns, Rodney, Mississippi will be on that list. What happened? Let me tell you what happened. The river changed course. And when the river changed course, it lost its life blood, if you will. It, it lost its life flow. The, the ships couldn't come by. They couldn't load the cargo. They couldn't unload the cargo because the river shifted. 
How many of you know there, there can be some shifts in your own life? It, it can be by a devastating earthquake, you know, something reverberates in your life with a marriage or with children, finances, health. I mean, there's all kind of personal earthquakes in our life. But it also can shift because things just build up. You know, there's a little sediment here and a little sediment there. And, and all of a sudden, you, you, you see the, the, the flow shifting somewhere else because you're filled up with things that has caused the river to move. And, and we have to be connected to the river. Can I hear an amen? It's very important. We talked about last week, this woman who came to the well and Jesus said, if you knew who I am, you would ask me for waters of life, living waters. Then in chapter 7 of John, Jesus stood up in that great feast, Feast of Tabernacles, and as the priests are praying for water for the new crops, and they're planning for the new season to be harvested next year, he said, if you're thirsty, if you believe in me, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, I want to take most of this from the Old Testament today because we talked about the New Covenant, the New Testament last week. How many of you know what happened in the New Covenant is really foreordained and, and prophesied about in the Old Covenant? So the Old Testament talks about the New Testament. So take your Bible, Ezekiel chapter 47, and I want you to follow along with me because this is very interesting. And um, I shared with some of the staff this morning, and I said, you know, I'm very interested in about what I'm about to preach today. Don't know if anybody else will be interested, but I'm pretty interested. Chapter 47, verse 1, Ezekiel is looking to the future. Everybody say future. He is looking to the millennial reign, the future, beyond the, the, the culmination of the life that we know today, and he's looking forward. But what he sees is very evident and pertinent to your life right now. In chapter 47, verse 1, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out through the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling. Everybody say trickling. Trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand, and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand. Now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Are you taking this sin? Are you gleaning from this? Have you got your attention on this son of man? How many of you know there's a whole lot of son of men in here this morning? So the Lord is saying to us, do you see this? Do you recognize this? Are you getting this today? He led me to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Verse 8, he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern re region and goes down to the Arava, it's a B, but it's pronounced V, the Arava, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will 
live. Would you say that with me? So where the river flows, everything will live. Do you know there's a lot of dead people walking today? You ever heard the term dead man walking? Listen, if we're in our sins, the Bible says we're dead in our sins. There's a lot of dead areas in your life, even if you're alive in Christ. The Bible says the world embracing us, around us, coming against us. We're fighting that deadness all the time, aren't we? Look with me at verse number 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of that river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, their leaves for healing. Now that's an interesting passage, isn't it? Ezekiel 47 is almost a a mystery. The Greek word is mysterion here. This mysterion. I mean, what is this river? I mean, it doesn't begin at some headwaters in a mountain. It begins in the temple. Now, is there another place in the New Testament that refers to this river? And uh, there is. Revelation chapter 22. Then the angel, verse 1, showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Do you see some similarity between what Ezekiel saw and what John sees in the Revelation? So one is confirming the other, the other is confirming this one. Now, I, I want to see what we're seeing today, because if you look at this, this was asked by the Lord, do you see Ezekiel? Son of man, are you seeing what you're seeing here? I, I took a job many years ago, and it was very legal, and you had to have everything perfect, every I dotted, every T crossed, every jot and tittle, if you will. And I, I, it was a new thing for me, and, and it kind of, you know, jumped on me because Carrie says sometimes you're a perfectionist in some areas, and sometimes you're just a slob. <laughs> Y'all all right? So, th- this is what I know. When, when I would see something, and I would write it down, this is what the guy who trained me, he said, are you writing what you think you're writing, or are you writing what you see? And I thought, that's a good, that's a good line. So are you seeing, Ezekiel, what you think you're seeing? If you have a pencil and paper, I want you to just write write down a few things. Let's talk about the source of the river first. Where is the source of this river that Ezekiel is talking about? And Ezekiel says it's coming from the temple. John in Revelation gives us a more specific location. He says not only is it in the temple, it is flowing from the throne of God. From the threshold of the throne, there is a river that's emanating and it begins at the throne of God. Now now remember, the woman at the well, Jesus says, I'm the one who is able to give you this living water. He said there at the feast, I'm the one who is able to cause rivers of living water to come out of your belly, out of your heart, out of your life. Do you know that God is the source? The source of our life is God himself. And the throne that he sets on is the source of the life that you have. 
It's not just because your mother gave birth to you, your, your father, uh, you know, gave you the seed that you could become into being. Everything that has life first comes from God. He is the father of all living things. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father. Can I hear an amen? Everything you have, everything you own, every breath you breathe is a gift from almighty God. You, you say, well, listen, pastor, listen, I, I earned it. I made it. I did it. Listen, I understand what you're saying, but really you didn't do it. God allowed you to do that. He gave you the gift to do that. He gave you the opportunity to do that. But everything literally comes from Almighty God. Your children are from the Lord. Your wife's from the Lord. I got one amen out of that. Your husband's from the Lord. If they're a gift, every perfect and good gift comes down from the Father of lights. God is our source. This river of living water, the source is Almighty God. It emanates from the throne of God. Here's the second thing. Not only the source of the river, but I want you to look at the size of the river. Did you see the guy that's measuring the river? Now, I, I ask you to repeat a word for me when we read this. It said trickle. This thing started as just a trickle. How many of you know God sometimes just starts with small things? Zachariah said, don't despise the day of small things. Because small things turn into big things. And so here there is a measuring the size of the river. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5, Ezekiel 47. He, he said he went out a thousand cubits, which is about 1,500 feet. So 1,500 feet out, the water is ankle deep. He measured another 1,500 feet out. Now the water is knee deep. Another 1,500 feet, the water is now wasting. Another 1,500 feet, the water is now deep enough to swim in, so deep and so wide you cannot walk across, a person cannot cross this river. I mean, this size is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Can I hear an amen? Now, what's interesting, do you know when Jesus stepped on the scene there was only one person preaching the kingdom of God, and that was John the Baptist. He came preaching the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then the disciples came preaching the kingdom. Guess what? Today, there are churches all across the world. What are they doing? They're still preaching the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Do you know, old John was just a trickle. But how many of you know, it's a wide river now. There are millions, there are billions of believers around the world from that one trickle. It just got bigger and bigger and wider and wider. And today it's a huge river. The size of this river is so deep, so wide that a person can't cross it. But this is what I love. There's a shallow end that anybody can get in. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to understand eschatology, prophecy, who's this, who's that. You don't have to interpret revelation. You can just get in the shallow end. Don't stay there, but you can get in there. Come on now. I, I'm glad that you can get in the shallow end. Aren't you? And maybe you're here today and you say, listen, I don't know. Come here from Sikkim about the things of God. That's okay. Look around you. That's where we all started. I, you know, listen, when I got in church, I thought the next book after Amos was Andy. 
I, I didn't know. How many of you just don't know what you don't know? And, and you may say, well, you know, Pastor, sometimes you say turn to this book. I don't know where that book is. That's okay. There's an index in the front of your Bible. Just turn there. Nobody's going to condemn you. How many of you know there's a shallow end? And we all have to come in the shallow end. But here's the good news. It gets deeper. It's ankle deep. It's waist deep. And all of a sudden it gets so deep, you can just float in it. And the more you know about God, the more you don't know about God. Because it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And I've learned a lot over 40-something years of preaching. But the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Somebody say amen. But that's the good news. The good news is we're getting deeper and deeper in this living water. Now, here's the third thing. It's not only the source of the river, the size of the river, but look at the strength of the river. Now, this is really what amazed me. When Ezekiel and John sees this river flowing from the throne of God in New Jerusalem, it picks up speed. Not only does it pick up speed, it picks up strength. Do you realize that only about 18 inches to 2 feet of water can wash your car away? It don't take much water to have the force to take a, a vehicle and even a truck, and just sweep it down the river. Matter of fact, we have some folks from Red Cross here, and, and they know that the strength of water can be devastating. One of my favorite stories about a river, uh, I've shared this with some of you. Years ago, I was with my Uncle Bill and uh, the family, and we were uh, camping down around Cash Creek where it flows into Red River. We'd put out trot, trot, trot lines, and we'd fish, and we'd camp out three or four days, and they'd make that old creek coffee. Does anybody know what creek coffee is? We just boil some water, pour the grounds in it, strain it through your teeth. Maybe that's why I don't like coffee today. We were just big old boys. My brother Steve, one day we, we decided we were going to go swimming in Red River. And how many of you know Red River's red? We didn't have swimming trucks. We just stripped down to underwear or whitey-tidies or tidy-whiteys. When you get out of the water, they'd be ready-readies. <laughs> we're out there. We're playing. We're on sandbars. We're swimming. All of a sudden, I looked over at Steve, and this funny look was on his face. I said, what's wrong? He said, I'm swimming upstream. It sucked my underwear right off of me. <laughs> hey, the power of the water suck your underwear off. This river not only has a source and a size, it has a strength. And the strength of the river is, this thing is breathtaking because the trickle became a mighty, forcible river. Look at verse 8. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arava, where it enters the Dead Sea. Now, Mary, Randy, I, Carrie, some of us, a few years ago, we were at the Dead Sea. Let me tell you, the Dead Sea's dead. There's nothing that you would see living in the Dead Sea. There's nothing around the Dead Sea that's living. Some of us, we got in the water, and it's kind of squishy between your toes. It's, it, it's, it's many times saltier than the ocean, like 10, 20 times saltier than the ocean. You, you can go out there and you can float because the water is so salty that nothing can live in that water. And this is where this river is flowing. 
This river is headed to the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there, makes the salt water flesh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Where the river flows, everything will live. You know what we need today? We need to flow the river. Now, according to Jesus, the river is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit flowing in our lives, flowing in our church, flowing in our services. If you were last week, we said, hey, we need a river in the music. We need a river in the worship. We need a river in the preaching. We, we need a river in the teaching. We need a river in the fellowship. We don't need a bunch of old, stale, dry stuff. We need the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's the river. And wherever the river is, there is life. This river is so powerful that it flows into the Dead Sea and pushes the salt water out. Some scholars believe this. Now, if you've ever looked at a map, you can do that when you get home today. The Dead Sea is dead because everything flows into it and nothing comes out of it. All of the water from the Jordan flows into it. All the runoff water from that area flows into it and it collects there in the basin, which is one of the lowest places on the planet, and it collects and there is no outlet. How many of you know some people who have no outlet? Yeah. Everything goes into them, nothing comes out of them, and they're kind of stinky on the inside. But what I want you to see here, the Bible says that the Dead Sea will become alive again because this river runs into it. Now, this word here is interesting, and, and we want to break it down, but some scholars believe that the Dead Sea will again have an opening at the bottom and connect back with the Red Sea. Now, what happens to all that salt water? Well, if we look at what Ezekiel said, all that water from the throne is going to run down to the Dead Sea. It's going to be so powerful, it's going to push the salt water out, reconnect with the ocean, push the salt water back where it belongs in the salty ocean, and that sea will become alive again. You say, Pastor, that's going to take a, a huge, huge powerful current to do that. How many of you know nothing's impossible with God? Nothing's impossible with God. Now, not only the strength of the river, but look with me at the scope of the river. Everybody say scope. Now, verse 8, this word that looks like it says Arabal, which is actually pronounced Arabal, it appears 61 times in your Bible. 61. It is translated in those 61 times as the plains, the deserts, the wilderness. Now, if you go to this region that we talked about, there, there's really hardly any plants, hardly any trees, not any grass. It is just arid. It's just dirt. It, it's just nothing there. Now, you think about plains, you talk about desert, you talk about wilderness. It's really referring to where there's little or no life. I mean, there's just not, nothing growing there. And it's a place where life is tough, where it's hard to eke out a living or a life. It's hard and it's difficult. 
Do you know sometimes in your life there are things that are really hard? You been there? I'm going to say some things. Don't raise your hand, okay? Um, anyone ever had a marital, uh, uh, a marital problem that there was a season in your life it was very difficult? It could have been abuse. It could have been maybe a betrayal. It could have been something that, that went on. And all of a sudden, you're, you're sick on the inside. I mean, not just hurt. You're, you're sick on the inside. And that sickness is huge. Or it could be you've had a child that's made a mistake or gone awry, and, and maybe they did something they shouldn't have done, or maybe you had a uh, confrontation with them or disagreement, and all of a sudden there's that sickness because not only the hurt that you have, but the hurt that they're feeling too. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Or, or someone, you know, committed something or did something and it was a friend or it was somebody in a business deal or you thought you could trust somebody or trust something and it didn't work the way that you thought it would work and all of a sudden that dryness, that hurt, that, that wilderness experience, that desert experience just reaches out and grabs you. No one's exempt and it happens to everybody. Not the same thing, but I'm going to tell you there, there's, there, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of stories here right now this morning that you could tell me where you have been hurt to the core of your being. And everybody feels it. And, and no one's exempt from it. You don't get a pass in life from these things. And, and this word Araval means a desert, wilderness place where life is hard and tough. But guess what happens here? But this is where the river flows to. Did you catch it? It says it's, it's flowing to these places. So the good news for me is when I am in one of those places, according to the Word of God, the river is available to me to flow to that area of my life. And that's what we need. Where we feel dead and disconnected and barren and wounded and hurt. The good news is God sees that place and he flows to it. Matter of fact, that's what the Bible says. The place it's flowing is there in the wilderness places. Streams in the desert. Wow, maybe you're there today. Maybe you're hurt today. Maybe you say, hey, pastor, you're talking about my life, my family, my business, my deal, my health. Listen, good news, the stream is flowing to you to bring you life, to bring you out of that wilderness experience, to bring you out of that desert experience. You see, the river is flowing and that's where it's going. It's not going to the healthy. It's not going to the whole. It's going to the desert. It's going to the wilderness because that's who needs it. That's me. That's you. That's all of us. For we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. Could we go back to where we started? Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So look at the first line, two evils. What did they commit? What are the two evils? Well, they're right there. The first one is this. They forsook the living water. He said, I am the source of the living water. They forsook me, the fountain of living waters. The second thing he said they committed, they have hewn out broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, if you are not connected to the living water, then you're looking for water somewhere else. 
We have a whole culture looking for water somewhere else, don't we? Maybe they find water in drugs, water in alcoholism, water in pornography, water in relationships, water in, you know, uh, money will make me happy, uh, she will make me happy, he will make me happy. And guess what? Even if there's a little water that flows into that cistern, what kind of cistern is it? It's broken. It can't hold. You know why it can't hold? Because it's really not what's supposed to supply the thirst of your soul. You see, just as your physical body gets thirsty, your soul gets thirsty. And some of you may be here today, you say, you know, things aren't working out, or I thought this would make me happy, or this would make me happy, or this is going to help me, or this is going to help me. And when you got it, it wasn't quite what you thought it was going to be. One of my favorite stories is about a Dallas Cowboy, a guy who was on the team when they used to be good. How many remember when Dallas used to be good? Anybody remember that? And I'm a Cowboy fan. But the last few years, they hadn't been very good. But, but this was his testimony. He said, you know, all my life I wanted to win the Super Bowl. I thought that was going to really be the, the epitome, the, 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 the pinnacle of, of my life. And, and he said that year the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl and I was on that team and there was, there was joy. We, we uncorked the, the champagne. There was parties. But early in the morning after all the parties, I went back to my hotel room and I sat on the side of the bed and it just didn't fulfill me like I thought it would fulfill me. And he said, it was then I got down on my knees by the side of the bed and asked Jesus Christ into my heart because I knew what I thought would make me happy and fill me didn't quite do it. That's why we need the Lord. The two evils. He said, number one, you forsook the source of the living waters, which is me. And then you, you said, well, I'll hewn me out. I'll get a cistern that will collect some things that will make me happy. But he says, anything that you hewn out will be broken because it will not be what you think it's going to be. You need the living water. Can I go back to Rodney, Mississippi? Rodney, this thriving town, this showboat town, the riverboats are coming in, newspaper, the first opera house in the state of Mississippi. I mean, there's fame, there's fortune, a future president is there, they're breeding new types of cotton, and all of a sudden the river shifts and the town dries up. You see, this is, this is our caveat today. This is a warning today from the Word of God. This is the warning. You, you got to stay connected to the water. You say, well, Pastor, how do you disconnect? It, it's, never, it's, it's never like that. It's always a series, isn't it? All of a sudden, the channel begins to fill up. There, there's the silt that comes in. The, the silt of, uh, uh, you know, you miss church for a month or a month and a half. Then all of a sudden you're not in the presence where the worship's going on and people have their hands lifted and they're lifting their voices. You don't hear the word of God. You don't hear the teaching of God. You don't feel the presence of God. And you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Or then all of a sudden we, we think, you know, uh, I've got too much to do. Has anyone said that? I've said that, man, I've got a lot to do. Uh, you know, I, I've got work, and, and that's going to prohibit, prohibit me. And I've got to run after the kids, and I've got sports, and I've got this, and I've got that. And all those things are good. I'm not knocking it. But let me tell you, you do it enough, you find the rivers over there, and you're over here. You, you've disconnected. And we have to watch because it's not just all of a sudden we silt up. It's here a little and there a little, according to Scripture. 
It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's not one big thing. Most people, when you see them and, and all of a sudden they're gone, it's not one big thing. It's just a little here and a little there and a little there and a little there. And all of a sudden you're still here in the rivers over there. And can I say this? God never moves. It's us that really moves. Lord, where are you? Mike, I'm where I've always been. But what happened to you, Lord? Nothing happened to me. Mike, what happened to you? You see, I, I realized a, a week or two ago when we thought that this was the will of God to talk about this, I could see myself there. And maybe you can see yourself there. This is not a condemnation thing. It's, a, it's just a life thing, right? I mean, churches sometimes are on the other side of where the river's at. I shared with you last week about a deacon in a church and the church just got smaller and smaller and older and older and he saw a ray of hope and we were growing and thriving and, and building and he said, man, I, I wish our church would do that, but it's going the other direction. He said, if it will just last as long as I live, he said, uh, that's all I care about. How sad is that? How sad is that? You see, not only are we concerned about the living water that we're connected to, I'm concerned about the living water these kids are connected to. And these teenagers are connected to. And young families are connected to. You see, I want to make sure the water's still flowing. Because we've got to have the water. This is not just form. It's not just tradition. It's not just formality. It's not just denominationalism. Folks, there better be some living water somewhere. If we're not connected to the water, we dry up and we blow away. And churches are doing that all the time. And I tell you, one of the reasons is because they've lost the connection with the living water. The living water is pure. It's crystal clear. It bubbles up. It makes sounds. It, it trickles. Then it flows. It has strength. The source is the throne of God. And we must have that living water. Can I hear any man? So make sure that you stay connected to the river. Stay connected to the fountain. Stay connected to the source of life. Wherever the river flows, everything lives. Everything lives. Thank God for the Holy Spirit in our midst, in our hearts, in our life, in our worship, in our preaching, in our teaching, in our fellowship, that we could feel something. We're drawn. We feel the passion. We feel the energy, strength, because it comes from the source. And the source is Almighty God. And every once in a while in my life, I'll leave you out of it. Every once in my life, I think, Lord, where are you today? I mean, I don't feel you like I should. And, and I, I'm just not at the place where I think I should be. And you know what the Lord says? Mike, I'm still here. You've got to get over here where I'm at. I, I've already reached out to you. But you've you got to be willing to get where the bank of the river is. Because there is where the trees are. And the trees are bearing fruit. And I want you to be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water with your roots down to a source that's tapped in that you will never ever go dry or unfruitful. But you got to tap in to where the water is. And everybody can do it. You can do it. I can do it. We can all do it. But we have to tap into where the water is. Would you bow your head with me this morning? 
We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.